welcome to an episode of the dating culture. Um, I, you know, have a, I have a really awesome guest on today, especially after everything that has been going on with matchmaking, dating, um, Indian matchmaking on Netflix. So, uh, I decided that I wanted to sit down with a matchmaker as well. Um, so rather welcome to the dating culture. Thanks, Pyle. I'm very excited to be here with you today. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to just, honestly, we're going to just dive right in. Um, there's so much that I want to know about matchmaking. I've never personally tried it out myself. Um, but before we even get into that, I am going to let you take the stage and um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got started, um, where you're from, all the fun stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So Radha Patel, as you mentioned, Bile, um, I'm currently based out of Dallas, Texas, but um, I grew up on the East Coast in Maryland, Philadelphia area. And then I got married to my wonderful husband about 11 years ago and moved to Chicago. Um, we have two gorgeous kids. And while in Chicago um, a couple of years ago, I realized that I had a, you know, my friends or my family, people would always come up to me and be like, hey, Radha, if you know anyone, you, you know, we're open to dating. We'd love to be set up. And so much so that even like the older generation, like uncles and aunties would come up to me and be like, oh, my son is looking or so-and-so is looking if you know anyone. So in my mind, I'm like, what is this? Like, what is it about me that people are, are reaching out and, and proactively thinking that Radha knows a bunch of single people because I'm a married old lady and I, I shouldn't know a bunch of single people. But, um, you know, I have a passion for networking and connecting. And then I realized that there's a real need in this second generation, um, you know, South Asian community that is looking to date within the, that subset of the population. And I figured, why not try something different? And that's why I created Single to Shadi. There you go. There you have it. Um, and how long have you been operating Single to Shadi for now? Um, just about two years. We were founded in fall of 2018. I consider like the day I bought my website, my starting date. So October 23rd, 2018. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So your anniversary is coming up. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That is super cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, matchmaking is such an interesting concept. I mean, like, you know, obviously going back to just like the history within our culture, um, you know, with bio datas and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff, you know, it's like, what about present day matchmaking is different than that whole experience of like, you know, going through the process of bringing in your family and, you know, running through an actual document that has your physical height, your, you know, your body size, all that kind of stuff, you know, like, what do you think is the difference? And I, the reason I ask is because everybody's like, I would never ask my family, but I'd ask a matchmaker. <laughs> and I think that's what the key is, right? So your family, they're not going to ask you for details beyond that height, education, you know, that kind of basic stuff would they deem as levels of compatibility. But I challenge you to think, you know, why do they use those as levels of compatibility um, when you look at like dating apps and the filter concept is 
pretty much the same height, education, background. So there's something to that biodata world that the auntie community started years ago. But then the modern day application of it, right? So what's beyond just the demographics, right? What are your goals in life? What are your career aspirations? Things like that, that your family or your friends even aren't necessarily going to take the time to know. Or if they do know that about you, they don't know that about the person they're introducing you to. Whereas in matchmaking, we do all of that vetting and that heavy lifting for you. So that when it comes to the point of introduction, you're already at a place where you're like, oh, this guy or this girl meets what I'm looking for in my future goals in life, more Mm -hmm. than just being a husband or a wife. So um, I very highly encourage all of my clients, friends, everyone to get out there, casually date, figure out what you like, learn about yourself. And then when you're ready to, you know, be more focused, like, okay, I'm going to be dating to meet a long-term partner. That's when you work with a matchmaker, or that's when you should reach out to somebody like me, because everybody that I work with, I vet and make sure, you know, Hey, are you serious about intentions leading towards a long-term relationship or marriage? Doesn't have to be tomorrow. Doesn't have to be within 90 days. But the idea being, if I date someone and it works out well, my end goal is marriage. Mm-hmm. A subtle difference that what the apps might have had the intention of when they started out with, but the subs, you know, that just that idea of who is in that dating demographic, who's using these more technology forward platforms, mm-hmm. um, and has that time to play the games in an app, um, shows you where they are in their dating journey. I feel like the apps are, I, I refer to them as kind of like the yellow pages. I'm like, just- <laughs> literally just like swiping right or swiping left. And it just seems so ingenuine. Um, and you know, I mean, I definitely think that there's positive to apps and then there's negatives, just like everything. Right. Um, so I guess people who come to you, are they, have they like reached their like maximum with trying everything? And then they're like, all right, let me just try a matchmaker. Or are they like, Hey, I'm doing a little bit of everything. I thought I'd add a matchmaker to the mix. I think people, and you know, one of the questions I always ask my clients is what are you doing to meet people, right? How are you getting out there? I know COVID, you can't really physically be out there, but what are you doing to show to the world or the universe? Hey, I'm open to meeting new people. So um, I encourage people who are using apps, stay on the apps. You never know what venue or vehicle that your future partner might be using. So just being open to every concept I think is great. But when people reach me, I feel like it's to that point, as you mentioned, Bob, that there's that level of frustration or they thought it was so awesome. They were in control of their dating in the palm of their hand. And then after a year or two, sometimes even longer, they're like, this isn't working. It's, you know, I'm spending too much time. It's becoming a chore, something I don't appreciate doing anymore. And that's when they start seeking alternatives. And usually in the South Asian community, when it when there are you know more expensive matchmakers, that's when the parents are engaging their services. And then you know you have to be comfortable with your parents being involved in that process. And I kind of wanted to take the the parental part out of it altogether. Not saying that parents are not important. Obviously, they are in our culture and community. But my clients don't necessarily need them on board from day one when they're dating. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 All right. Good to know because. That's personally just been my biggest struggle, um, personally, like in my dating experiences is like, if I gave my mom the green light, she'll do everything she needs to do to try to call every single major city in the US and India in, you know, the UK, wherever she needs to make all her phone calls. And I'm like, 
dude, you don't understand. Like, and as I'm getting older, I'm like, dude, you don't get dating nowadays. Like you just, it's so above like her head. Um, I reference my mom a lot on this podcast because obviously she, you know, she's my teacher in many ways. Right. And so like, I believe that too. I don't know if you read my bio, but um, I, my attitudes towards love and marriage come from my parents as well. So uh, I agree. I think that most people, they see how their parents' relationship was and either learn and grow from it, or that's what they try to emulate depending on the experience. So I think that's a very universal truth bio. Yeah. And what, I guess, you know, just adding on to that, what do you think is some, what do you think consistently based off of like, and we'll get more into like your clients and what your processes and stuff, but what do you think is the main thing that people are struggling to unlearn about like what they see culturally about what they see, you know, with their parents' marriage? Like, what do you think is like the biggest like obstacle that people are like, well, I just can't get over this. This is just something that I am, I'm, you know, still having a hard time processing or like, you know, this is just a requirement of mine. Like what, what are you seeing across the board? I think a lot of that comes around attitudes around having children. Um, you know, both men and women, I hear a lot of things about, I need to get married because I need to have children or this is expect of me. Um, and a lot of times people who don't necessarily have dating experience or have not, um, you know, even had physical relationships and things like that. And, and when I interview them, they go straight to, I want to have children and I want to do this. And I'm like, well, there's, you know, you have to be comfortable and secure around the process of how children get involved. So I think right. that a lot of times that we, you know, we have that cultural identity where we're, we don't date when we're younger. We don't experiment. We don't um, put ourselves out there in certain ways, but then we expect that, well, marriage, children, family, like that's just what I'm supposed to do in life. But how do you get from point A to point B? I don't think people think about a lot. So having to um, unlearn it, you know, that is something that I, I definitely encourage everybody to examine and think about before you get into that, hey, I'm ready to get married phase of your life. Mm -hmm. I'm here to kind of maybe shed that light or realization for you when we're going through our, you know, relationship with each other to say, this way what does this mean to you or what what is the end goal and how do you plan on getting there so challenging those notions as a friend is what I try to do yeah and I think that like just just to add to that I have been going back and forth for the last like five years of my life because after 25 it was like okay why are you not married and you're like what I'm still like I'm still traveling the world I'm still doing my thing I'm still working on my career um, it's not something that's definitely not been on the back of my mind, but now it's like, I'm redefining what marriage means to me. And I'm re I'm trying to redefine what even love means to me. You know, it's, it's a much deeper conversation and it's a much deeper conversation that I'm having with myself and my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely something that I, I think about more and more, um, as I'm getting older and like, as I'm in my early thirties and the topic of children comes up a lot too, in my head as well. Cause I'm like, well, you know, I'm 32, like, I'd love to have kids in the a kid at least in the next few years but I also personally am not incredibly like tied to it because well number one I don't even know if my body is fully capable of processing like the whole birthing you know going through the birthing process right, like, yeah you just, you just don't know if like your body is capable of having children or not and I'm not saying that in a discouraging way I think there's many different forms of like trying to go about having children but I think as I've gotten older I've kind of slowly let go of the expectation because I'm like well 
I am trying to work towards having less and less expectations as I get older. And I think you just kind of like get tired of just being like, well, I have to get married. I have to find a husband. I have to have kids. I have to by a certain age. And it's just like not the reality we live in anymore. Um, And I think that's wonderful that you're taking that time to work through that and think about how that makes you feel what you, you know, what, if you make a decision based on that now, what's that going to be 10 years down the line? And that's what I mean when I encourage people, you need to do the work on yourself first, right? Be true to what you really feel and what you really want for yourself, because there's more to life than just getting married and having babies. And that's to, to work through. And if that's what you want to do, that's wonderful. Right. And I'm not saying right or wrong in either way, but how do you want to approach that? And what is the right path for you is something everyone needs to consider. Yeah, absolutely. It's just that sense of open-mindedness and understanding that, um, you can have, you can have children at a later age. There's many different ways and, 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 um, definitely different routes you can take to, to explore that. Um, and, you know, hopefully in the future, I'll be able to sit down with somebody and have that conversation. But um, yeah, it's definitely taken a lot of uh, sleepless nights, arguments with family and distancing myself sometimes too, because, you know, just, your brain just goes into a place of like, well, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not, you know, like, why am I not doing all the quote unquote things that I'm supposed to have already been done by the time I was 30, you know? And mm-hmm. so, you know, part of the reason why, me even wanting to have this conversation with you brother is to obviously show people that like don't stress so much over the timeline right because you can also even be in love and have the marriage and have the the kids and all that um and by the time you're like 35 40 you go back to yourself and you're like well what am i living for you know right Mm -hmm. um and so you know, I, I think that there's so many different things to process and we have to remember and recognize that we are, um, we're all, go- we're all going through it. You know, I have so many single friends. I don't, I don't have so many friends that are, um, single and then, and I mean, sorry, married and divorced, but I have, you know, I have friends that are, you know, considering it or friends that are just like starting to realize that it's okay to just be that age that you're at and be living the life that you're supposed to be living. So I would love to make a point about the divorce thing. Um, And especially right now with COVID, we're seeing it a lot across all cultures and communities. And I think it, it showcases that we are so hung up and we as a society, not just South Asians, just as a human population in general, we are very hung up on this fairy tale notion and timelines and what's expected that a lot of times people are making decisions that look good on paper. But when push comes to shove and you're in the middle of a global pandemic and you're stuck with your significant other in a small box for days and days on end, then it really comes out like, wow, why, why didn't I look a little bit deeper at some red flags that might have come up or some personality um, components that I maybe kind of sacrificed or were willing to overlook because my end goal was so about X, Y, and Z. So I think that, you know, with this subset of new South Asian, you know, entrepreneurs and, and mental health professionals, everybody coming out there, um, we worked at Single Shadi, we work with the South Asian dating and relationship coach who is tailoring her message on the fly to deal with all of these new kind of um, issues that we've seen coming out of the pandemic. Um, And again, to piggyback on your first point about having these conversations with family, our therapist that we work with, she's actually creating a um, a, a session around how to explain to your parents, right? Like how to explain to them that 
you've raised me to be autonomous and smart and successful. Why don't you trust me to make this decision for myself? So there's a lot of cultural conversations that now need to be had. Um, we don't need to be afraid of our parents anymore. We just have to show them that we are the smart, talented individuals that they raised us to be and why we feel the way we feel. I know. I tell my mom all the time. She's like, I don't understand why you're still single. And I'm like, cause I'm outspoken. And some men don't like that. And I don't, <laughs> that's just what it is. You know, I'm like, you raise a strong daughter. There's like, there's some men that just like can't handle it. And that's okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to change that with my children. I have a son and a daughter and I'm definitely trying to raise them. My son is going to support, you know, every <laughs> initiative that my, my daughter wants to do. And that's the way I'm going to teach them is it starts at home. And I want to make sure that we're changing that cycle for that next generation of Indian man out there. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that you mentioned the therapist piece and the coaching piece. So you also work with a therapist and a coach, or is it all just like meaning within your matchmaking services, you refer your clients out to a coach, right? Um, yeah, we have a, a preferred partner. She's South Asian. She's been through um, a, a divorce in her life, been remarried. So she comes not only with a wealth, her own personal experience, but she is a certified relationship and dating expert. Um, so um, we have a wonderful relationship with her. And I think that a lot of my clients that just even having a couple of sessions, one-on-one -on -one, understanding that somebody, you know, is there for you if you want to talk through concepts and ideas and somebody who is going to help help you feel more confident in, in your thoughts and what you're trying to do. Sometimes you just need that external validation. And if it's somebody who looks like you, who has been through a similar experience from you, I think that resonates a lot too. I see so much value in, well, one, I see so much value in um, talking to a therapist and I actually interviewed my therapist um, at last season. And I always encourage people. I'm like, during your dating process, go to therapy, like talk to a coach, talk, like get, like sit down and maybe get some professional feedback um, just to make sure that somebody's validating that what you're doing is not wrong, you know, and, right. and helping you work through those emotions because it really is just an, a game of emotions and trying to figure out your personal emotions, what worked for you and then how to vocalize those emotions, right? And how to feel Absolutely. confident walking into a date saying, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. Obviously a matchmaker does a lot of that for you. Um, but even just sitting down on your first date and just being comfortable, comfortable enough and stepping into yourself and saying, Hey, listen, like I am looking for a serious relationship. I am looking for something long-term because those words are so hard for people to get out. They're so difficult, you know? It's that culture, that dating culture that is now, right? Like, I don't want to come off as too thirsty if I bring it up on the first date or, you know, like those games that we're playing, all of those, those words and that language is part of that game. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely people out there that appreciate a very direct answer, you know? So it's worth like, you know, my suggestion to folks is, you know, speak your truth. Um, because you'll know very quickly if somebody is just with it or they're not, or they're like, that's too much, or, you know, and that conversation conversation ends up happening. And therefore you've now already stepped out of your comfort zone. And therefore, right. you now know, like how certain people might react to the, to the words you're saying. And, you know, those are your true words and that, you know, that's, that's really what it comes down to just being able to like speak your truth, but also at the same time, um, you know, staying, sticking to what, matters to you the most right now and so i think that you know it is you know but that, again like i said this is the beauty of having a matchmaker right so 
let's dive into the matchmaking portion of this. Yes. <laughs> so like, what's the process? What's the program? How do people like, well, I want to save that for the end, but like, what's the process when somebody, when you take on a client? Yeah, we go through a rather in-depth interview with every single one of our clients. And I start with like understanding kind of where they were born and raised, what their upbringing was like to get an understanding. I mean, we all identify as first generation or, you know, immigrant families, things like that. But there's a spectrum in that as well. So I wanted to start off with getting them comfortable, asking an open-ended question to get those words flowing um, and get that background. Then I asked some demographic questions, those filters, if you will, right? Are you your dietary preferences, your religious background, um, you know, uh, how do you feel about tattoos? Just things that people might not necessarily think about, but are important when you're looking for a partner. But then we actually go in and ask some much more hard-hitting personality type questions. I like to ask open-ended questions around, you know, what do you think are your superpowers or how do other people perceive you? It's an exercise in understanding, you know, how are you putting yourself out there in the world? And then what do you think are your, you know, better qualities or how do you identify for yourself? And I ask these open-ended questions because I want them to come and be honest and showcase to me, you know, who they are in their kind of un, unprepared environment. Um, I don't send questions out ahead of time because I want to see how they react. Everything is done over a video interview. Used to be face-to-face if the, you know, pre-COVID, if they were in the area. But since we work with people all over the country, most of the time I'm meeting clients um, over a video interview. Mm. After we get a little better understanding about yourself and who you are, that's when we start talking about what you're looking for in a partner. So I do not start off with, tell me about what you want in a partner. I want to know about you first and how Mm -hmm. you identify and what you're bringing to the table. When we talk about what you're looking for in a partner, again, it's not just that demographic, height, you know, body type, that kind of stuff. Right. I know more so about goals, career ambitions. How do you see your relationship progressing? How do you see yourself raising children? If you want to have children, you know, um, even sometimes things as little as do you want to live in the suburbs versus the city, you know, geographic ideas, how comfortable are you with long-term dating, uh, sorry, long distance dating. So we go through a lot of in-depth, much more nuanced and deeper questions and understanding about the process over all um, and with an outlook on compatibility. So I, all, all of my questions are open-ended with the idea being that what is compatibility for you? Like what is somebody that not just your preferences, but what's going to work for you, your lifestyle and your outlook. Um, so it's about an hour long, pretty in-depth. Mm-hmm. I've had people cry. I've had people bring their parents along. You know, I've seen everything as far as the interview is concerned, but the yeah. idea it needs to cut to the core. And I need to understand as much about you, who you are as a person Yeah, in one hour. That's beautiful. I am all about seeing and feeling the raw emotions. So I love like the really in-depth um, screening process, especially with asking, you know, forcing people to answer questions about themselves that they probably have never answered before in their life, you know, because they think, okay, let me go to a matchmaker. I'll go find my husband or I'll go find my wife, you know? Um, and it's like, no, we're going to do some research on yourself first a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. and I'm, like I said, like I'm all here for, you know, feeling the emotion. So I love that people just get vulnerable, you know, 
Um, and it really does force them to get even probably more vulnerable than they, you know, thought they were going to end up getting anyway. Um, so love that piece. And one of the best things I think about like why I like matchmaking or why matchmaking works for people is because you're developing a relationship with me, with Radha as a person. So when I say that I'm making like talking to people as if they're my friends, it truly does feel like that. I, you know, it's one-on-one undivided attention. We're talking about some raw vulnerable things. We talk about, you know, previous relationship history. I want to know what have you learned along the way so that we don't continue repeating those same mistakes. So the fact that I am there to be your friend through the process, I think helps a lot. Um, And then even outside of that one hour, as we go through profiles and as we look at potential matches for you, you know, I'm here to discuss it and talk through it. And you can give me your perspective, which could vary from guy to guy. If you tell me that I look for a guy who's like this column and I send you somebody that matches up, but there's a component or two here or there that just struck out as odd to you, or do you want to know more about that's fine too. And that's that beauty of working with me as a person and knowing that I have that same relationship with the other person. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of be that go between and get you the answers that you're looking for to help you make that informed decision. Now, if you're asking too much in the nitty gritty, I'm going to say, <laughs> let's save it for a first date. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you a question as a South Asian uh, matchmaker. Do you do any sort of birth chart matching? <laughs> I do not. Okay. Um, personally, again, this is where I think my parents' story comes in. Mm-hmm. I, I am very spiritual. I would say even, you know, a little bit on the religious side of uh, of Hinduism, but um, I don't necessarily think that horoscope matching and all of that is the end all be all. And I I have some clients who ask me like, oh, can I get, when I send a match, like, can I get their birth date and information? I'm like, well, I feel like that might be a little bit too personal information. Yes, invasive. Yeah, I don't necessarily (laughs) want to share that. Yeah, Um, and because I don't believe in matchmaking on that philosophy, I'm not going to perpetuate that either. Same with, I don't ask about, um, you know, skin tone and things. I do ask about attractiveness because I think that is obviously very important when we're talking about Mm -hmm, relationships, mm -hmm. but I will not put my preconceived notions of beauty out there. I'm not going to have you check, you know, what level of complexion you're looking for and things like that. That's not what I use for matchmaking. I will take your criteria under advice, but it's something that you volunteer to me that also indicates to me what you're valuing in a partner? Is it that the complexion aspect of it? Or is it so when somebody who's a healthy lifestyle and a great career, things like that? Yeah. And like I said, that's, you know, within the, within our community, you know, people are still outgrowing that, you know, and still learning that. I mean, hopefully in the last six months, people have finally learned something about, you know, judging people based off of their looks. Obviously you want to be able to be attracted to this person, but Um, what, what I've been trying to do more and more is try to look, look at people on a soul level, but I think it takes a lot of work to be able to, to just look at somebody face value and say, well, where's their heart at, you know, where's their head at, where they're, you know, where they're, where do their emotions stand? Where do their fears lie? Where do their, um, when do they break down? What are their weaknesses? You know, like, these are all questions that I'm like, you know, starting to like ingrain more and more in my mind. And and then teaching my mom, like, these are the things I have to talk about. Like, obviously I want to bring somebody around that, you know, um, is going to, you know, stabilize me also, but, and also, 
you know, somebody who's responsible in however I define the word responsible, you know? Um, And so, you know, I love that, you know, you go through these things and then also teach people that, you know, there's things that you can let go of. There's things that you can, you know, stop having the expectation of because expectation sometimes means your own fears, you know, sometimes expectations are, I, you know, right when I started this podcast, I, I was thinking about how, what my expectations were and what my negotiables and non-negotiables were. And I was looking through my negotiables and I was looking through, you know, everything that I would not accept. And I'm like, well, that just, you know, and, and obviously doing so much more in-depth personal emotional research within myself. And I'm like, this literally sounds like a list of all my own problems. Like this literally <laughs> sounds like a list of all the things that I just have not sat down with, you know? Um, and like how much judgment I would use to make um, with, how men would approach me, how they would, you know, you know, how they would court me on a date, you know? And I'm like, sometimes it's just not like that. You know, sometimes it is, um, I listened to um, a podcast episode recently and this woman was talking about how, um, you know, like some of the most insecure men could make for, make for the, some of the best partners, you know? So we have to do a better job at like reading people's personalities and reading, um, men, women, everybody's personalities, you know? So, um, you know, I, I love that there is like, it's not just matchmaking and you're not just, you know, just, you know, shoving people in one direction and saying, Hey, you know, here's a, here's a list of people like dig through them. You know, there is the component, there is the mental health component, which is like, the biggest factor I personally believe, um, when it comes to doing self-work while you're dating, you know? Um, so, and yeah, thank you for answering that question about astrology. Cause I was like, well, I wonder if, you know, this is something that she, she has it, you know, as part of her services. Cause you know, you know, the Brown people are going to ask, you know, if you have- Oh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely do. Yeah. They ask about cast too. And again, things that I just don't, I, I don't want to mess with, you know, that's not something that I believe in. And I don't think that that's it just blows my mind yeah. when people are so concerned about cast. Uh, it came from, you know, with the, it's like a built in vetting or built in background check, if you will, because, you know, if they're from this subset, and this subgroup and they believe this way, then what's wrong with them, right? That's all you need on paper. And that's why you need to get married. And unfortunately, we are complex, you know, individuals and human beings with thoughts and feelings. So just fitting into a cookie cutter mold, like a cast is not what's going to determine the viability of your marriage. So (laughs) right, exactly. Because we also have to remember, like, we live in a multicultural society. Um, so as a thought, like my mom still struggles to understand, like, why I've already had like this many boyfriends. And I'm like, dude, because dating is a very normal thing. I think it took her a long time for, for her to process that, oh, she's not just going to like marry this person. You know, I mean, like I've had five serious relationships in the last 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they've all been, you know, they've all had their ups and downs, but it made me who I am and I'm perfectly okay with that. So, um, but yeah, I think that we, you know, I think this is great that, you know, you're teaching people comfortability around all the ups and downs. And you're not alone. So when we talk about relationship history with our clients, um, you know, the first, the theme that I notice is that their first relationships usually always in college. And that's because when you're in high school, your parents are like study, 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 right? Right. But you're in college and your eyes are open. You're like, oh, there's other brown people here. There's other, you know, things going on. So that's your first real relationship. But guess what? That also ends up being most people's first heartbreak too, because mm-hmm. they all approach it like, well, I, if I'm in love, then this has to be it. It has to be marriage. And then you're 20 years old. What do you know about the rest of your life? What do you know about yourself? Nothing. So college relationships 
inevitably are go not going to work out. So I, I, I found that very eye opening, you know, my course of my two years is that most people's first relationship in college, and that's also their most significant heartache too, or heartbreak too. A good old first heartbreak, man. It's, yes. one, it's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the hardest, but it's one of the best ones. Like it's just such a intense lesson, right? You're just like, and I think right. that's for me too. I, and I identify with that the same thing when I went to college and I ran out there, I'm like, Oh my God, I, you know, I found somebody who identifies like me and we're in love. We're going to be together forever. And then I look back at it now, 15 years later, and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Good thing that didn't end up working out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm happy where I'm at. Thank, thanks exactly. for, for teaching me those lessons. Um, exactly. That's amazing. And so you know, you've talked about your process. You've talked about, um, like how you go through your screening. Um, I want to hear some success stories. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have one couple that comes to mind right away and they started, I introduced them right before kind of COVID. So the beginning of March, they were already going to be meeting long distance as it was, and then throw COVID on top of it. And I would say I was very, very impressed with their tenacity and their willingness to try new things. I mean, this is when people were still figuring out how to Zoom date and make dating fun online. Um, so they were together about four months and they um, went on, you know, had date dedicated times where they dated each other and things like that. Um, and then they actually did meet up in person once because his job allowed him to travel. Um, and so for me, I thought that was wonderful. Something that we, during a time of uncertainty, when already things were so up in the air, we didn't know how what was going to happen next that they decided that no they, that being in a relationship was still important enough that they were going to go with the flow and make it work and try new things you know they even did an escape room uh kind of concept via zoom and and really tried to focus on that relationship aspect of it before they could even get to that physical intimacy of meeting in person and things like that so mm -hmm. well i don't they didn't end up being together in the long run and might not be a success story in that way. I think that that dating experience was really beneficial for both of them. Um, and so that is one of my favorite stories to tell is that these guys were willing to make it work and, and give it a try, even though the world was literally stopping around them. Yeah. The world was literally falling apart, but their love life was still very much alive. <laughs> that's, that's yes. amazing. So for more recently success stories I've had, I found I've been re-examining what I think as success stories and knowing that we are um, not guaranteeing love, like some of these more expensive people out there and, you know, working in a, a, a more approachable price range and demographic. So I've reframed success in the idea that it's a successful second date, right? got a lot of shitty first dates right that unfortunately is what's making people jaded and annoyed and like fed up with the whole process so i've come to realize that more and more i've talked with my clients after i set them up that they're appreciating the fact that that first date was so good that they had a lot to talk about you know where a coffee date turned into dinner or where they're already making plans to meet a second time so i'm kind of reassessing what i'm considering to be successful and while might not be a marriage or a long-term relationship the idea of that you had a great first date that leads into a second date for me I think that is proving the value of our model and again reinforcing the idea that we're dating towards uh with the idea of going towards marriage but not dating saying that okay if this works out tomorrow we're getting married so mm -hmm. myself I'm shifting and we in reprioritizing how I view success mm -hmm. clients are saying is, is working for them.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's lovely. I love that people are, well, I mean, you know, the whole long distance thing, like, you know, I think there's some people that really truly believe like, there's no way I can do it. But I mean, I've done long distance. I mean, I would say most of my relations were, were relationships were actually long distance. And obviously again, you throw COVID in the mix and it just like, you know, amplifies everything and makes everything so much more complicated and difficult. Um, but yeah, there's definitely ways to like work, work around it. And I, I love that that couple was taking time to really allocate certain days of the week to probably, you know, say, Hey, this is date night. This is what we're doing, you know, and you really do have to feel from the other person that they are equally interested in wanting to make sure that there are, there's intention behind all of this, you know, um, otherwise, yeah, you're not gonna, you're not, you're gonna feel like you're doing it all alone, you know, and that's like even worse. (laughs) Um, what are some things or what are the top things that, your male clients are expecting and what are your top things that your female clients are expecting you know my answer will surprise you it's the same for both okay and what's that they both want somebody serious i hear from guys all the time that they're sick of girls who are not ready to commit or are kind of stringing them along because they're talking to multiple different guys at the same time and i hear the same exact from girls they're ready to commit they want a guy who's serious So I thought that was very ironic that both genders feel that the other is not taking it seriously. (laughs) It's a universal issue. It really is. It really is. And it's just, you know, the problem is, I think this is why I struggle a little bit with dating apps because you just can't tell. There's no question of like, how serious are you? You know, it's just like, hey, here's a pool of people. Go ahead and swipe right. And maybe you'll get, it's like a really... It's a, it's a much more like strenuous process, right? Because you're essentially doing it all yourself and you're like, okay, well, I don't know if this is person, this person's serious or not. And again, I'm not saying it in a discouraging way, like don't be on the apps. I think people should still be on the apps, but just like, kind of just be mindful of what 100% what you are looking for and therefore be comfortable enough to have that conversation and say, Hey, listen, like this is what I'm looking for. Are you cool with this? Um, and then also if you're really trying to take the next step, if you're not really finding success, you know, hit up a matchmaker like Rada at single shoddy. Yeah. And you know, the idea of the apps, again, when they came out, it was so revolutionary. You're like, Oh my God, I have all this power in my hand. But then, you know, I always think about my dad, one of his mottos in life is, you, you know, people don't value things that are for free. And when you have, free apps and people let's let's be honest these people we're on the cheap side or we're not really going to be paying for things that are out there or accessible and are free so again it it goes to me like what is the intent and the quality behind the people that are using something like that um people always ask me right like you know what are your demographic breakdowns do you have you know a a christian guy in his 30s in new york or things like they always ask me these very specific questions in my (laughs) mind I might only have one or two that fits your demographic that you're looking for, but you know damn well that they're serious because they're coming out of pocket. They're ready mm. and, they're serious and they're they're here for it. Yeah. Um, I think that makes a big difference between whatever venue or format that you use. Sometimes your money speaks a little bit more to your intentions too, I think. Right. So like be ready for a serious like person coming your way. You know, we're not just here to like, you know, mess around and, you know, break other break hearts right like (laughs) um I think matchmaking is so amazing I literally posted on my Instagram story um 
probably like a month ago, maybe like right after Indian matchmaking came out. And I was like, should I start a matchmaking service? And I got like a hundred DMs from mostly women, South, mostly South Asian women too. Um, just being like, where do I submit my profile? Where do I go? Um, and unfortunately folks, I don't think I'm going to start a matchmaking service, but <laughs> hit up Radha at single to Shadi. Um, where can people find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? And if you are, if people are looking to get matched, how do they do it? Yeah, so you can find us anywhere, all the social platforms. It's at Single to Shadi. Uh, our website is singletoshadi.com. My personal email address is Radha at singletoshadi.com. I'm always accessible and available. So please reach out if you have any questions. Um, but yeah, so the process, you sign up, you get screened, we go through that interview. And then it's very passive on your end because I'm the one doing the heavy lifting. So as we get matches that fit and they're going to be good work, you know, we'll reach out to you uh, and go from there. Beautiful. Love it. All right. Maybe one day I will submit. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I don't really need to. I feel like now you kind of know me. I so. know you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tough cookie. I'm a tough cookie. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm still doing my self work, but. And I got to say what you're doing with the dating podcast and the dating culture is awesome. I think that bringing that concept of intentional dating, that self-care first, working with therapists, that's all stuff that we need to hear and needs to be reinforced in our, you know, our next generation because we didn't get that. I think a lot of times from our first generation. So being open and accepting with our peer group, I think is the first step. So thank you for all that you do. Now. Uh, this is me. Uh, this is my space where I come vent essentially. So <laughs> I just get to vent with professionals. <laughs> so this is great. Um, well, thank you so much for um, coming on to the show and um, yeah, hit up Radha at single to Shadi and, you know, tune into the next episode. So cool. Bye everyone. Bye.